Hi folks, apologies for the long delays in getting a new episode in your feed. We have recorded full seasons for two entire books that you have not heard yet, uh, but due to a massive technical disaster on my part, I lost the editing for all of those and will need to do them all over again, so it'll still be a little bit of a delay before you hear them. In the meantime, here are our thoughts on season two of the Wheel of Time TV show. Forewarning, we do get into a lot of spoilers from very nearly the top of the show for season two. We co- we cover spoilers that go all the way through book four, The Shadow Rising. So if you haven't read up through that book and you haven't seen this season of the TV show, or if you're not spoiler-averse, then go right ahead. Enjoy. The Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go. Welcome to Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. We're back. We're reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show, which finally returned for season two, which we all saw a few weeks ago, and are going to talk about our thoughts on the whole thing today. I'm Caleb, and with me are Nick Wicks. Hey, everyone. And Dan Katinsky. Hey, everyone. As always, you can find us at Wattcast.net and support the show at Patreon.com slash Wattcast, where your support can get you access to special bonus episodes where we talk about non-Wheel of Time fantasy and sci-fi stuff. Email questions, comments, and corrections via contact at Wattcast.net with the subject line questions. We'll answer them here on the show. Before long, hopefully, if schedules align, we'll be getting back to our book readings. But today we are talking about the long-awaited, long-delayed, many times announced and teased season two of the TV show, what we thought about it, um, how the where diverged from the book, uh, where where things went pretty much in line with what we had expected, what, what got mixed in from other books. I know personally, I was pretty high on it for most of the season. They made a lot of big changes and big swings, and they stayed faithful in some places that I didn't expect them to, so there, there was a lot of that stuff too get into. A full plot summary would take up about half the podcast, but since the season did loosely follow the plot structure of The Great Hunt, maybe we can talk about differences and some of the places that things diverged. I don't know. What do you think about that approach? Yeah, I think Departures is probably a good good place to start, Um, along with maybe, I I guess, I... uh, just absolutely abhorred the first episode and was like... (laughs) remember having very strong feelings about it and being like, this is going to be an absolutely terrible season. This is the last season they're going to do, you know, the characters are, are, they're all going to quit all the actors, whatever. But then uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the episodes after season, after episode one of season two. What did you think about the first scene, the meeting of the dark friends with the Shamael and and the child and the Trollocs? bit did that part work for you at least i thought that part was cool yeah i thought that part was probably the the primary part that did work for me uh because it because they they referenced that meeting at least once in the pro Mm -hmm. in one in the prologues of one of the books if not more times like a meeting like that yeah yeah. Uh, granted not with uh i don't think ishamaya was leading it but and i don't remember if there was a child there i don't think there was but um i feel like they got the the essence of of those meetings, right, where everyone's mm-hmm. sort of anonymous, it's very ominous, uh, you know, scary. <laughs> everyone's like frightened of each other, but like sort of knows who one or two other people are. So I thought they did did a good job with that. Oh, 
that when you said that the kind of anonymous and, and the meetings in the book, that reminded me there's another that this is kind of one of the big departures that's there in that as far as we know at the start of the season, Ishamael in the show is the only Forsaken who's free, rather than they all got free at the end of Eye of the World, like in the books. Right. I think in the books we see, or we start to realize that a lot of the Forsaken are at these meetings. It'll be like sometimes three or four of them or something like that, depending on which one it is. But here it's only Ishamael at the beginning, right? And he yep. and we're, we learn in the course of the season that he's actually freeing the others, which is an interesting dynamic and his motivation seems to have changed in some big ways the what i forget what is the actor's name for shamael it's um i think he, he's got really good like reviews from at least from the all the reddit threads i was reading throughout the season i, I felt similarly i feel like he did a really good job mm-hmm. and almost like one of those things where he's so compelling i don't mm-hmm. know if that's what drove it but it I can make myself feel better about the show decisions by telling myself that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of his, his compelling acting. It's a uh, Fares Fares, first same first yes. name and last name. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, I think they they're really going out of their way to make the villains more sympathetic this season. I think it, it is the actors, but it is also the writing too. Like we get much clearer motivations for why Ishmael went to the dark, right? And his whole. His whole philosophy of wanting to break the wheel of time is based around like wanting to end the the cycle of samsara and and all of human suffering and re, and rebirth and and stop the con- you know souls being woven back into bodies over and over and over again for all eternity, which is an interesting way to go with him. I think the the other part they strayed from the book too in the, in that episode, or at least we found out in that episode, was the Moraine being severed from uh, the mm. One Power. I think it was yeah. that episode where they hinted on it. Which yeah. I, I thought if we want to start with um, <laughs> like my hatred of season, of episode one, but also hit <laughs> the big differences from the book, so we can start <laughs> yeah. with that one. Because uh, I, I thought that was like, I, I was okay with that because I think I'm not going to spoil, you know, what happens, but I, I feel like there's some, some things go on in the later books actually mm-hmm. that I'm doing, reading right now through my read-throughs, uh, my second read-through is... Like, I feel like there is some efficiency there that they gained <laughs> or, or can gain. And I, I was OK with that one. Yeah. And we've already I, th- I think for the show, I will edit this if I'm wrong. Dan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But we have covered it is book four where like uh, Swan gets stilled and and Leanne and Leanne. Right. But yeah, it does feel like they are compressing a lot of that journey back. And, I, and that, I'm of two minds of it. I'm curious. What do you think, Dan? Because I feel like on the one hand. The, it, it really enriches Moraine's character. She is so awful to people throughout the season, but you sort of realize why and you feel you feel the weight of what she is carrying and what she is forcing herself to do to not die, like to keep from killing herself in the absence of the power and the void that leaves and, and throwing herself into this. And I I think parts of that work really well, but I know I was not alone in feeling we just had way too much of this Moraine and land new subplot by the end of the season, which is like all of almost all of which is new material after they leave the library uh, or the, you know, the cottage home of the the two uh, lesbian Aes Sedai whose names escape me at the, at the moment, the researchers. And when Varen gets oh, tangled. Are they, are yeah. they, wait, are they lovers in this, in this one? Wait, is it, I thought they were sisters in the book. Well, they're sisters of the one tower, but they're, they're implied to be lovers in the book. I think they've been living, living together for decades and oh, uh, just, really? in, just yeah yeah just in this cottage together no i thought like there was i thought those were the ones who end up being the twins later on or maybe maybe they're different i'll i'll, I'll do some googling while we're talking on on the show uh fact check let's get our department on it what were you starting to say dan 
Yeah, just I, I feel like a lot of my qualms with this season were just the obsessive need to throw Pike into the show more and like give her and Lan more more scenes. I was just like, I don't know. It it really felt unnecessary. There are already so many plot lines they could have been focusing on and working with that it's just like why do why do we keep adding more here? So I I don't know. I could have done without that, but I get I get she's like the front runner of the show and they, and and one of the most popular characters, so they have to give her a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really I didn't really feel like we needed all of that the extra plot lines and everything. There was already enough stuff they didn't cover from the books, and that was probably my biggest mm-hmm. frustration. That they kept generating really generic plot lines to give her more screen time instead of just focusing on what they had. Yeah, it's like I feel like there were good pieces there, but just too much of it. Like I would have loved the one episode version of her going back to Karien and her family there and her nephew and everything that's going on with them. Like, I love the dynamic with her sister and her hurt and yeah. her, uh, at, at Maureen's that, Oh my God. And that actress, she's amazing. She's in Rome and a whole bunch of other shows that I've loved. I'm, I'm forgetting her name offhand. Um, for, which for Maureen's sister, who is like one of you know, oh, she's yes. now the high lady of house. De- De Madrid. Was it Lindsay Duncan? Lindsay Duncan, that is, yes, yes, it was Lindsay Duncan. Yeah, yeah, great British stand, you know, like one of the yeah. cl- the classic character actors of TV and stage. Um, and like that dynamic is great. I just, and and I even like the Balfa, whatever his name is, Balthazar is not right, but you know, her, her nephew who seems like real sweet and accepting and has risen to power to become the new, he's about to be crowned the new king. Turns out he's a dark friend and he's going to get, uh, get some real shit coming to him i'll all like when i think about it the individual parts and the scenes that i really liked and even the scenes with the other warders i'm like yeah they had the components but just like we didn't every one of these episodes is an hour and 10 minutes long or so and i feel like we spent 20 30 minutes on this plot most episodes that's just too much it was way 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 too much we didn't need it um you could have yeah like you were saying dad there there's more there were so many scenes of yeah. yeah So many scenes of Moraine sitting in an office staring yes. intensely at a piece of paper. I'm like, why? At someone There's coming so in behind her. Cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many scenes of do we need between her and Lan where it's like, oh, I'm here for you. <laughs> get the fuck away yeah, from me. Yeah. It's just like, okay, we, yeah. we get it. You know, I, I felt like that dragged on too much. I feel like mm-hmm. this was a consequence from the first season, but they did a really poor job of stilling her in the first place. Like there was not a lot of suspense for that, or it wasn't very clear what happened to her. There was I feel so like if they much made that happened like a, in that episode too. Yeah, but it just, it felt like a lot of the final climax consequences were really brushed over. And like the whole, like, I don't know, her getting stilled, like very, I didn't even remember that happening. And then <laughs> uh, like, like Rand, going off and deciding to like live another life. I didn't know that was going to be like a huge plot thread, which I think they handled well, but it was just like Mm. so many things that ended in the first season, which were so anticlimactic ended up being big plot points here that they like kind of carried throughout. And I don't feel like they set that up very well. The prior. I do. Okay. I'm going to loop back on our fact check for a second. Yeah. yeah, And I have another, uh, and the very minor (laughs) fact check too, that that we, that we learned as a plot twist that she's not actually stilled. She was just shielded and uh, heavily. And that's why, uh, Certain things happen, no, yeah. but yeah, go go ahead. Man. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, um, no, no. She so so it was in the book. Their sister, their twin sisters, or no, in their book, their sisters, Vandine and Adelaus. In the show, they're also sisters, but it's Adelaus and Varen. Oh, so they just like, cut out one character and then pretended they were sisters. Um, and so oh. I guess that's, that's how they approached it. I thought Varen was just visiting along with them. I didn't realize she was replacing. Yeah. One. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she, oh, replaced, she replaced Van Dien 
which is funny because I guess they both start with V. Uh, but yeah. Oh, Mira Seal. Quick shout out to she to me. She's very different from Book Varen. And, you know, Book Varen's one of my favorite side characters. Yep. But I love her different TV version, too. Like, Mira Seal is a yeah. very, very fun presence. I really like her sort of. She's she's much more socially aware than the Varen of the, Varen of the book and much more of a. You know what? I think. A, okay, this is not a spoil, not quite a spoiler because she's been mentioned in the book, but she feels like she's folding together Varen and Codsway into me. I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh, that's a good, Nick, that's a good uh, thought. That's ahead. a good thought. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, I don't know. I feel like Codswain. I don't know about. I don't know. Because I feel like Codswain was like super powerful. Like I think in the the rankings, if you look at things, she's like the number one or number two most powerful oh, of all sure, female Asadai. In terms of personality and 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 physical or, or approach to conversations and kind of that casual moving people around in conversations like she's a very she's very clever and very self-assured in a way that Varen of the book is not is sort of what no, I, I think I think Varen like. of the book is also self-assured and clever though because like they often talk about how the other Aes Sedai sisters are nervous around her because she's like always watching like a bird and then oh, she'll sure. and they were and then they'll te they'll say mm -hmm. that she often will like manipulate a situation like I'm just going through the part um actually yeah i can't tell I, that's a big spoiler but, but but i guess like but i mean i agree with you that mira sayal is but portrayed her awesome like i i think yeah. i think i just really fell in love with her her character along with uh you know leanne uh sharif who um was uh jennifer john garcia uh portrayed her i thought she was awesome because like in the book i feel like you just don't care too much about Leanne until until the oh, whole yeah, you know, like stilling part but I feel like she is a really strong pre screen presence in this in this season yeah she is and uh and Anaya continue she Anaya continues to be really good too I also am not going to remember her actress's name we shouted her out last season um or is it is it uh, no not not Anaya Alana that's so easy to mix up uh yeah Alana's great <laughs> uh we, we all the time yeah, yeah Alana's good yeah yeah uh Prinkabos that was okay okay so i just mistook mistook their the reading of the the sisterhood in both those cases show and book um i mean it wouldn't surprise me if they were doing like orgy stuff uh anyway so <laughs> that's <true. laughs> that is Maybe emphasized, right. emphasized heavily yeah. this, this season yeah as court of the green uh on the tangent you were saying earlier dad you mentioned the splitting of Rand's plot because now he's separate in the book. I guess in Great Hunt he was mostly with Loyal, and that's how they get and uh, and with Hurin, and that's how they meet up with Lanfear when all that goes down. I I think throughout the show the the consolidation and Rand's relationship with Lanfear this season or Selena rather. I think that might be one of the strongest threads of this season. I liked every episode. I liked the consolidating of of Loghain and a future character who book readers at book four won't really know so well at this point, but the having Loghain there, having him in the, the asylum and Rand working there as an or orderly and visiting all of that worked for me. And I really, really thought Selena worked for me. Uh, and I've got to look up her actress too on real time. Cause I just, Natasha O'Keefe. Oh my God. She, she's great. The character is actually like, you understand how he falls, how he sort of like, I don't think he, he doesn't love her in the show, but you can understand how he is deeply attracted to her and feels 
safe with her. Whereas in the book, the moment she shows up, she's just obvious bad news uh, <laughs> from t- yeah. second one. And it's just like horny teenagers can't stop themselves from being horny about, about her. But there, that whole dynamic, I thought, great. And even the ways in which she re- is revealed by Moraine blasting the shit out of her and apparently uh, Forsaken are much harder to kill in the TV show. They have like ancient vampiric regeneration <laughs> yeah, powers right. or like uh like real like coming out something. of the blood yeah yeah which is you know that's that's a that's a useful change i think for because it, it makes their deal with the dark one seem a little less shitty than, than, in some ways they they get they're not just so easy to dispatch uh, since we haven't invented balefire in the show yet that's true the Celine character i agree was was fantastic like i think they I, I feel like they accomplished in 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 this one instance they accomplished like what the book was trying to do better than the actual yes. books themselves because I feel like the books themselves it's so much more like Lanfear just like popping up and like <laughs> telling him like hey we used uh-huh. to be lovers like, yo bro come 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 hang out with me like come use you know, your power my- embrace your destiny. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it was so just, ugh. And then, but they really did such a good job with like the dynamic between the two where you can tell he's just enthralled by her and, and, and like her. And she also does it in a way. And Natasha O'Keefe is so good. Like, I just think, I, I mean, the, mo- the most recent show I've watched with her in it, the Peaky Blinders, is just mm. fantastic. And like, I, I feel like she, she kills it in this role because she, she approaches it in a way where she's, like into him but she's not like throwing herself at his feet which is what happens in the book i feel like it's just yeah, yeah. it's it's so much more desperate yeah. uh so it comes off so much more realistic to me in the tv show and I, I feel like there's very few instances of things that you know they're trying to accomplish in the book and they just don't hit it but the tv show does and i feel like that was one of them yeah even even the way that they emphasize that she is still like in mourning over Luz Theron because from her perspective, he he just died, you know, and that she realizes that Rand is a different person and isn't just constantly right. And, and, and it's funny, like the most off-putting thing about her character in the show, like from a relationship perspective is how much she talks about her dead ex and, and like, but she's honest about it and open about it. And like, Hey, you know, like we're, we're both getting, so- she has that scene where she's like, we're both getting something out of this relationship. And they're both pretending they're with someone else. And for her, it's, you know, being able to imagine that this uh, uh, dead love of hers, who, you know, we know is reincarnated as, as Rand, uh, is still with her. That that just felt mature in, in writing-wise, yeah, you know, in a way that really surpassed the book's <laughs> handling of those things. Um, and that really sells you on what her master plan here is. And and I love the fact that she actually seems, as of the end of the season, I don't like the Mogadian, the Mogadian appearance, but it does feel like Lanfear is going to be significantly more of an ally, like, you know, an evil ally that you cannot trust, but more of an ally against the other Forsaken and or the Dark One in the show. And you really get the sense of her being in Rand's camp and wanting to have them win this thing together in a way that I felt like she's always saying in the book, but never actually means. And I didn't believe it for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think she Go ahead, Sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to agree with that. I definitely think she has a lot more personality. She has like spicy costumes and everything. She's like, really, she's a lot more clever than the book version. And she just, to your point, Kev, just a lot more likable. And I mm-hmm. do agree with, I think she's going to be, she's going to be like a pseudo ally, which mm-hmm. is a lot 
I wonder if they're kind of combining her role there. They're taking um, I'm spacing on his name right now. I'm spacing. There's so many characters in this universe. Uh, As- Asmodean. In the books, the Forsaken. Asmodean. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're taking as yeah. I think they're like taking him and breaking his role up into Land mm-hmm. Fear and also um. Wow. Why am I also Logan spacing on Captain Logan? Thank you. And taking like. <laughs> Lanfear and Loghain and kind of taking mm-hmm. his role and kind of siphoning into the both of them and, and taking attributes of it, which I think is fascinating. And it's a good use of like cutting down on a large cast. I think if we're going to talk about like awesome female characters too, I think Leandrian this season was just, yes. uh, it was amazing. Like to me, it was like the Leandrian and Celine show uh, yes. or Leandrian and Lanfear show. It was just uh, incredible villains. I, I feel like the villains are so compelling. Yeah. Like the Shamael, the Lanfear, the, the uh, Leandrin are just so such good villains. And she she was like the whole you know uh, son like dying off, but uh-huh. still you know, and she's appearing much younger than him still because of the eyes that die. You know, uh, bullshit. <laughs> so I feel like it just was such a cool. Uh, plot thread of the, like, but the, the manipulation of Matt and Min, and there were so many good little tendrils that she had going versus just the books where it's like she pops up like once or twice and then just you, you never hear from her again. Yeah, she's and, and thank Definitely you for bringing her. This is character. yeah, it, re- and it reminds me of why I was like really enjoying most of the season. That it was just Le- like Leandrin was a huge part every episode for like all her scenes where they nailed like she is simultaneously just a dis. She's like a nasty despicable villain uh she's still that she's still like that you know that haughty superior like and, and just utterly striking uh like eyes of disdain at people all the time but she's also feels like a person now she's got like real motivations and she actually i believe in the show that she cares about Nynaeve and that she really hates what she is doing for the dark one in delivering them to the Shan Shan. And she's like upset that, um, Nynaeve or, or is it that night or that Elaine happened to be there? I forget. She's upset that one of them who wasn't supposed to be there is there. Cause it means she is also bringing them, uh, to the Shan Shan Shan. And, and yeah, the stuff with her son and she, you really get the sense of, she also delivers you in the show. Like, Selene, the the devil's bargain element. You understand more why people sell them souls to the Dark One. It's to save people they love. It's all those like classic like like crossroads demon deals, the Nathaniel Hawth- Hawthorne type stuff. Um, and yeah, she's just such a, a a magnetic presence all the way through. And the and her dynamic with Nynaeve and the really wanting to push Nynaeve in her power, and she's just doing it in her own fucked up way. Like it's like a better version of that severus snape harry potter dynamic of like you know where he just detests him and secretly he's protecting him but you really feel like she is her methods are awful and she's killed students before but she also really 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 is in Nynaeve's corner despite also kind of resenting her power it's this real cool mixed up dynamic of emotions and um and desire to see her thrive and you really believe that she means the ideals of even the red Aja by the end of the season. Like you understand how you, how she gets there and how, and why she is in the position. She is. Right, that's enough gushing for me on, on, on one <laughs> character of 50 in the season. Dan, was that, let's, let's hear you gush. <laughs> which, which of the characters of the season were you all about? Uh, definitely same as you guys. I, I thought she killed it. Um, probably my favorite character. I loved the connection with um, Nynaeve and kind of a sympathetic mentor role 
but also like a really fucked up individual with a lot of their own, like, I don't know, just uh, very, I love, I loved how salty they were with the tower and they, they used her character to kind of puddle in some of the mm. side stories or side narratives about some of the downsides of being an Aes Sedai, which I don't think they had touched on yet on the show. So they, they were really were able to use her to be like, yeah, there's like a lot of fucked up parts of this and they're going to use you and going into more details about that. I don't think they were, they had kind of just alluded to very briefly in the first season. So I feel like they were able to check off a lot of the, the tower content from books two and three through her character, mm-hmm. which was neat. Um, I really liked, uh, what's her name? Uh, is it Rena? Rena? The Chan Chan. Um, oh, the Chan Chan. Working with. Yeah, Sultan. she's, it's she's like great Z- too. Zelia Mendez Jones, like she, she did a fantastic job. I was really into that dynamic between Green and her. Um, mm-hmm. The whole power play and kind of going back and forth with that, where you almost like, she's manipulative enough that you, you almost like want them to be friends or, and, and she's like mm. simultaneously encouraging her to channel her power. And you're like, I feel so pissed with Egwene about the way that she's treated the whole season. I really yes, like that they yep. leaned into like, oh, we, but we talked like, I feel like Robert Jordan missed this aspect, but it's like, he really shits upon the character and they don't really bring it up at all. And then the show, they really address that, like just all of her frustration, like her constantly being sidelined. I really like that they actually mm. brought attention to that where I don't think it's ever really mentioned in the book. They're just like, you're a lot weaker. You're not as special as this other person, like your best friend. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you can come along too. <laughs> like they find, like, <laughs> I like that they flip that narrative and they like channel a lot of that aggression and they address a lot of the abuse that Nynaeve shows Aegwing. And I like that they do that. It's like she stands up for herself. She starts to see that even though they're really close friends, she's projecting a lot and it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I love the the power play and the the, the whole resolution to... Rena and her and like the whole death sequence, I thought that was handled really well. I liked how she's like building her up and getting her more powerful, but then also doing a lot of fucked up shit that then it's like really project like the whole thing I thought was fantastic and probably my favorite like relationship plot thread for that season. So the one the one with uh between uh Egwene and Nynaeve or with the Demane? The Demane. The Sultan. Like Rena, I thought like Or the Sultan. Yeah, the Sultan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, what that, didn't they also was wasn't part of that dynamic like the wasn't Rena also trying to convince her that um that they were trying to like unite all the nations together for the last battle as well yeah. I think yeah that they make the pretty, Shan Chan motivation I don't think that was the clear. book the book was like not really that it was really just about the just taking back all the land the Order of Hawkwing had had right mm-hmm. They try to bring that in. I don't feel like they brought it in early enough where it could have been a legitimate argument. Like, the, I think it's like the last, it's either the last episode or second to last episode. She brings that up. I feel like the relationship's too set in stone at that point for it to really have an impact. But I do like that they kind of brought some more motivation to the Chan Chan. I just, yeah. since we're talking, since we're talking yeah, about she's episode She's the only five. one I like. The Sorry. Yeah, Nick. Uh, no, I was going to say, since we're talking about episode five, Caleb, I was going to prompt you with uh, High Lord Turok jumps on the scene and looks like badass as hell and like pulls out his blade uh, and then we didn't get any of the, like, the no. badassery in, in the in Which, the book. You know, I was ready to be fine with that if we then instead had that that blade thing transposed to the fight with uh, with Ishamael, but they're both eliminated. I did not understand. I guess like Rans is never going to use a sword. We're never not going to like, despite that they made a big deal of his sword forms earlier in the season with the veteran in, in that he was learning from, because that's a subplot. We uh, love one of so many subplots added with the, 
the veteran at the asylum and that who which who you know is that has PTSD and there's like very sweet interactions of Rand protecting him from the uh from the complete evil asshole orderly who's abusing and healing from the patients and all that and he's like learning sword forms from from the guy while there and I think does Rand, does Rand then kill the or no just scares to death the other the evil orderly I don't think that really went anywhere beyond that if I'm, but yeah the Turok yeah I I don't know Tur- Turok didn't go anywhere the other the other Shan Chan the one who's working directly with the Shah male she felt more she's like her show version is like cartoonishly annoying and kind of pointless it felt like the one what's her name highly yeah. suroth in a way that she Suroth really didn't and, serve a purpose this season no other than to be the one who commands the shielding of rand from the ship so that ishamael can do <laughs> his conversion and and all that and have this and we get a lot made of this being the prophecy of the last fight or the last duel where this is the last battle will be started at, at Toman head um and they'll fight in the sky above and all that uh well we don't we don't have to talk about the finale yet if we're if we're not there uh if we're if we have other things to get to before that well do, do you want to keep going through the new characters because we haven't even mentioned sure elaine elaine and then yeah, i mean yeah. uh yeah. Min's Min's technically not a new character, but she sort of is, since this yeah. is like really the first time we get some development. But what what did you both think of of those two? Kira Coveney, I liked her. I think Elaine doesn't get much to do in this season or this in this book, for that matter. But she's she's fun. She seems she um I like the bit she has with Egwene. Um, they're emphasizing the the clueless princess, but with a heart of gold thing. She feels very much like the book character to me you know i think it just sort of depends where they take her I, I i liked her this season don't have too much to say nick yeah i think the i think the min i i, I would agree with you i think the elaine is coming out as expected and and well played and nothing bad or nothing fantastic about it um but the i thought the min stuff was interesting because yeah they they take a different turn in the books uh or in the in the show than they did the books right because in in the book she is like hopelessly devoted to Rand and and yeah, I don't think yeah. we're there that worth get I don't think we get into the like nitty-gritty of that in our read through episodes yet but she ends up you know even early on she's pretty um into Rand whereas this they have her just being manipulated by Ishamael and I think I think Leandrian right uh mm-hmm. who who manipulate Min into basically giving up Matt um which which leads me then to I, I do like the the little um, like efficiency in Matt's like dagger becoming his like spear thing, <laughs> which is like on the he like sticks on the other stick and then it becomes like this like badass weapon. Like I thought that was a, I, I like I don't know. It's just a, a, I would never have thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I would like never have thought about those two parts of the uh-huh. book with the Sherlock dagger and Matt's spear coming together. And it makes me do. I mean, it, it makes me uh, sad on one hand because I feel like we're leaving out the Aelfin and Eelfin, which are like such a cool part of the book, but also like totally on another freaking planet in terms of like plots. I don't know how they'll how they would ever literally like, that on in another the first planet. Place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess it, it, bar the fact that we won't get that, maybe we'll get a spinoff uh, show about it or something. <laughs> but but bar that, I like the little spear thing going on too. Yeah, I thought. I- I, I was fine with that, I guess, as a consolidation. I The dagger, it's not really, it feels like a different thing in the show, and Pod and Fane's relationship to it, it seems totally different. And like It's like impossible to imagine the Pod and Fane of the book 
even potentially giving the dagger to some to someone else, right? And he still seems he still seems very much just a dark friend in the show, right? And just like a pawn of Ishmael yeah. so far. He's not really at all as big a character as he is at this point in the book. No, no. and I don't. I actually am okay with the pot and fame stuff. One of my complaints about the book uh, or the series, excuse me, and I. I'll try to reveal too much of my in like there's probably minor spoilers here is like the pot and fame thing just gets threaded through the books, but it feels extra. Like it just feels like he he's such a good villain in the beginning, and then it sort of like dissipates, and then it's you know like comes back and dissipates, and just it feels like a con- constant thread through the books, but like it almost like an unnecessary one because in the end, I'm not I'm not gonna reveal anything here, but in the end, like it just doesn't feel like there's a huge impact there um for me and so and so i feel like the tv show making him to be just a dark friend but like still a reference character i was okay with that mm-hmm. it um i yeah that's I, I do feel like they were still trying to set him up for something bigger though like we get the flashback to his reveal for being at the meeting right and characters keep talking about oh remember pod and fane and uh, why would he do all, all that he did and i it still feels like they're setting him up for something big but he is just not consequent sequential yet in the same way so i guess i just don't know where they're going with that maybe it's maybe somewhere different maybe somewhere similar i don't know well we'll see all said and done and then we we also have avianda what what did you both think about that huge departure from her original story mm, and consolidating the yeah because <laughs> because the i said i get sent yeah yeah, because they get sent right to right to Falm. It's Perrin who meets up with the uh, and and it's and like and you're talking about Avienda's the caged one that Perrin frees, right? My, it's all hazy, even yeah. A month but later, they combined Avienda with. Um, so I mean, I think he does. You no, know, it was some was random like Aiel. Well, no, was they it? have been and she not there. Okay. Yeah, I think they. I think they. I think they combine it with Gaul because I think Gaul was the caged yeah, one yeah. in the books. Who is also a major character that they're going to have to introduce or consult or maybe consolidate into another. Um, but I feel like Gaul is the one, the one, the se- the second Aiel after Avienda that you can't get rid of, probably like the a, a little plot load bearing Aiel. Well, uh, I oh, guess, do we know uh, about it yet? Am I, am I just forgetting about it or is it later books? He's just Gaul is just like Rand's go to Aiel. Like he's sort of his, right? Like, you know, his. his it's uh, like, I think it's per- more Perrin's go to Aiel. Um, oh, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and Gaul's, or uh, excuse me, uh, Rand's go to Aiel is, um, is Ruark. And, oh, yes. And oh, Gaul's yeah. Is like uh, Perrin's yeah. in the book. Indistinguishable characters, which is why I just failed to distinguish them. So yes, they should combine <laughs> combine Ruark and Gaul, and but, but then figure. I guess yeah, they have to decide whether he goes to the two rivers or not. But yeah, I totally forgot those are two separate people. Much like the wise ones, they all register as one to me. Yeah, but parent. Per- so is Avienda going to be parents' love interest? Is that what they're setting up for? They're like getting rid of. Um... Oh no, no, no way! I was wondering that too. To be honest, they're going to do I feel like, like a triangle. <laughs> I feel like they are because mm. Perrin is like lost his wife and it's like all this anger and violence in him. And I don't know that. Then they're traveling together now. People I don't know if they'll do the right If they left Fael out, you can't, you can't. They might. Fael. I don't know if Fael is going to be, I mean, they might be trying to avoid the awkwardness of like every woman in the show, like the, the books, like fawning after Rand. Like, I mean, I wouldn't particularly mind that because it is really frustrating having like every single main female character, be obsessed with Rand aside from Fael. 
but also like, 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 like look like Joshua Stradowski. It kind of you're just kind of like I, that makes sense. <laughs> like I, I was like I don't understand it, and then I saw then I saw him like on the show. And I was like oh okay yeah I, I you know I can understand why three people want to be dating him at the same time and be totally cool with that. <laughs> It's a bit more of a personality too, but yeah, the the supermodel effect goes goes a long way. That jawline. Uh, oh yeah, speaking of not of actually a new character, but um, new casting <laughs> that we we were wondering for Matt, who I think you know I I, I liked him. He, he he felt seamless. I barely thought about it throughout most of the show. I love the reunion scene with. Uh, I should look up the actor's name. We've said it before, but new Matt is. Um, uh, Matt Cawthon, Donald Finn, yes. Um, who, yeah, I thought I thought he I thought he was really good. He's probably he's not he doesn't have quite the same like steal the scene energy as the original actor did, um, Barney Harris. But I thought he was really good, uh, and I liked his dynamic with Min, like you were talking about, Nick, and uh, and I loved his reunion scene with Rand and the genuine joy. And I feel like. Not they. We talked about how they really, to some extent, reduced a lot of the bickering, though it's still here to some degree between uh, between Egwene and Nynaeve. It feels more a little more adult here, and similarly, like Matt and Rand's relationship in the book, it's just like you're not even friends, other than the fact that you grew up in the same village and you're contractually obligated to be fr- to be friends. But <laughs> you, I really got the sense yeah. that they cared cared about each other here, and that was a fun. And, and Matt still feels like Matt. Matt feels like Matt to me. But skipping past a lot of his douchiest phases from the books uh, and getting faster to, you know, post-dagger Matt that we like and, and you can kind of see as the, you know, hero of the horn kind of thing going on. I, I liked him throughout the, se- throughout the season. So I have to, Dan, I want to hear your opinion on this first because uh, I have a bone to pick with you on, on the show now about their costumes because we were talking about this over over Discord chat and I was like, Man, the costumes this season absolutely blow. And you were like, you're wrong. I know everything there is about <laughs> costumes. And they're amazing. And I was like, shit. And we got to talk about this on our episode. But I guess like where I was coming from was I think the uh, like the Sean Chan costumes I thought were pretty cool. Like some of the, like the more extreme stuff was cool. But to me, I feel like the everyday costumes and just like I don't I don't know what it is about it. And because. I know both of you guys, uh, I think, are involved with like video production, and and in some sense, that I, I I'm completely uh, an observer here. But like something about it just doesn't feel as real to me, and I I'm always comparing it to like Game of Thrones, where I just feel like mm. everything felt very just more realistic. And to me, that's like the costuming. Yeah almost feels like a fantasy and maybe it's not the costume maybe it's like the camera angles or something but there's something about the show that just makes me like i know this is a fantasy world it's because the costume design is really striking and interesting not one character uh, maybe one almost no characters look like they've been wearing their costume longer than five minutes ago when it was when it was put on they don't feel like clothing they don't feel worn they don't they don't have any of that they all look like brand new set design stuff to me. Yeah, like I'm looking at Inktar, is... Inktar pictures and Uno right yeah. now, who, by the way, I was pretty psyched that Uno did come back as a hero because Uno's a mm-hmm. baller character. But like, I'm looking at their pictures right now and I'm like, that looks like a kid's costume on Halloween that I saw earlier this week. Yeah, like, they're, it, it... they're clean. They're shiny. <laughs> yeah. They're brand new. They're not muddy. They're not dirty. They're not repatched or, or torn. Like, 
Game of Thrones did a very good job of getting that lived in feel. Yeah, I agree. And like as costume dramas go, this is more of the this was on the shinier, like, you know, just off the manufacturing side. But I do. I, I like a lot of the artistic direction um, and you can tell a lot of love went into it and into the piece. Oh, and also like the leather is obviously not leather. I think that's maybe a factor, too. <laughs> like it's it's all like when things look new and shiny, it's that it's kind of that Star Trek costume effect a lot of or like the 90s 90s tv costume yeah where what, what, what's your take dan since you, you're you're in love with them right <laughs> i was in love with all of them uh i don't remember saying i was an expert on this topic either because i'm definitely not uh but i did i thought some of them were really clever i don't think they look lived in i agree with caleb on that there are some that are definitely better than others like the sean chan outfits were i thought those were fantastic um really nailed the aesthetic of, of what i envisioned from the book I think, Nick, you were also specifically talking about the white cloaks. And mm. it's funny because you're not the only one because my spouse was literally like, those are the dumbest looking costumes I've ever yeah. seen. But apparently, I listed an <laughs> emotion from more than just you. So he wasn't thrilled with them. He thought they looked really goofy. He didn't really see the, the purpose of those. No. Why so, do they have one one so random you, pauldron on their arm? And, and it's, it's, like, it's like Nomura Final Fantasy shit. They're all wearing pure white like cloth out in the field like that's impossible like who, how much laundry do, like bleaching per day is required for for that immaculate well technically they are called maintained. the white cloaks so that's yeah. like kind of narrow like sometimes it's supposed to be like it's like a pompous like sometimes costumes really need to elicit like the emotion or attitude uh-huh. of the character and i thought in some ways it did because it's extremely like a lot of the ways the white clips operate is very impractical. It's very yeah. flashy and gaudy and everything. And I, I thought the costumes did elicit that, but your point they're out in the desert and they're completely white. Like they've never been stained at all or don't have any dirt on them. And that's completely look at this horse armor. <laughs> unrealistic. <laughs> look, look at this Renaissance fair ass horse decoration. here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's but yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I just it's and I think the direction on these it's the what the the one flashy pulp they're 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 this it's not I, armor from season one, one. this that? is from season yeah that's from season one yeah, but yeah. Uh, but but I but I couldn't the three belts in the middle it's it's Tetsuo Nomura oh, to the max in that picture too <laughs> <laughs> we, we call those the square unit belts yeah the modern oh that's the oh you know what else it is nick everybody has ultra modern haircuts and not just like ultra modern like right now haircuts everybody's hair is like undercuts and swoops and in the style of the 20 the 2010s and 2020s like no not one bit of because they're not trying to go for a real place or time but defaulting to present day gives it an extremely that's what gives it a, a like i feel like a I don't take it seriously for one minute kind of feel because everybody just looks like they walked off the street. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, look at this picture that you pasted it. Maybe you'll link it in the in the notes later or whatever. But like they all look like like this. These look like the pictures that Marcy, my wife, sends me like before I go to the barber shop. (laughs) Just like all their hair is combed perfectly, gelled up, like totally fade. Yeah, we got we got the the pompadour over here. Oh yeah, and I guess uh, I, speaking of hair, Joshua Stradowski is shaved, cut for another role. Maybe I was curious about that if he was in some other new movie where they made it because characters even comment on his, on his hair being completely cut off in this one. For oh some yeah, reason. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, 
which is odd because it's not like it's a disguise to be not identified as a redhead because characters still comment on his red hair, even though he has no hair in this in this season. <laughs> um, but they also comment on on the haircut. For some, that must have been for another role commitment or something with the my my common Hollywood guest there. I I did yeah, like I you mentioned it earlier, but we didn't touch on it. The and I don't know I never fucking know how to pronounce her name. Uh, Mogadian is in my head, but I think it's like Mogadine or something. I forget. Mm-hmm. But uh, she has that like speaking of haircuts, that like goofy ass like uh, what's who who who's the um uh who's the the guy who played the psychopath in that movie, um, you know, where he shoots the people with the, uh, like the tank of gas or whatever, like pressurized psychopath gas. Psychopath in the, um, that, that happens a lot. He's often, he's, the, the movie is often, or the book and the movie have often talked about, like, or critics have said, like, that's the most accurate psychopathic portrayal, um, I have no idea. Really <laughs> I have it no idea. Really anything else about this movie? We're gonna need to work. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not the World Blood. That's that's the Daniel Day Lewis one. What's come oh, on, guys? Oh, All yeah, right. No Country for Old Men. Okay, no nobody said there will be blood. Like, yeah, yeah. One yeah. tales with like six she- words. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reminds yeah. me of speaking of goofy hair is Mogedian or Bogadid's hair has got that like goofy. Oh God, yeah. like, I cut this myself with a straight line, like <laughs> thing going on. Uh, that cameo made me so angry for like the fact she's only in it for like 90 seconds of the show, but I am so I think, mad. Yeah, I think that's irrational. <laughs> I hate that they made her a literal spider. She's not Mogadine the spider she's because she casts literal... webs. She makes webbing as she does like, <laughs> she, well, I, she like does silk, I like that. I, I hate I think, the silk I think webs. Nick and I are like... She, she looks ridiculous. She's, she's like one of those, like, she, she's being played as like a stereotype of a, a Hollywood idiot savant character uh, uh, and has like, <laughs> she doesn't seem anything. I like Bo- Book Mogadine is one of the funner Forsaken and there's no personality resemblance here whatsoever, I feel like. I don't know. Now speak your piece. Why, def- defend, defend the spider lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's fine if Damn. you have if no attachment to the book character. I, but, but. Well, for one, when you said that before, you had, you had seen the episode before Nick and I did, and then you said that, you're like, she's a literal spider. I thought you meant she was like a chimera or something. So when she shows up, I was oh, expecting uh, her body to be like half spider. I'm like, oh, she is. Like, you Okay. You really overblew like the the spider aspects. I'm like, it's just a cool style visually channeling, like because it's kind of boring otherwise. And I feel like everyone has the same weaving. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting to give her that like little bit of like character to her weaving. It that de- I don't know. I I thought it was fine adding a little spice there. We've only mm-hmm. seen the character for two seconds, so it's hard to kind of judge her personality off of that. I think so, I'm yeah. on a fence. It's like half and half. I, I I did think she was going to be an actual spider when you said that, and I was like, mm. "Oh shit, are you serious?" This is so going to be you up fucking for... crazy. Okay, but I then saw, she was I like, on the below. but then she was also like Spider Man. So then it was like, "Oh, this is weird." So I, I was like halfway. I was like, "Ah, oh, this could turn into something good. It, it might not." Uh, yeah, I don't know. That was that was another one of the new characters that was mm. uh, striking. At least we can all agree on that. I suspect another consolidation is that they are. In the books, it is kind of like it's it's like wishy washy about the fact that both Landfear and Mogadine claim the world of dreams for their own and claim to be the most powerful there, and that's uh, both both have, claim that it's theirs. I think this. I suspect the show is doing the thing where Landfear is the dream walker and the one who is like of all the Forsaken. That's her specialty. She has total dominance there. 
and that Mogadine is the trap layer, and they wanted to establish that very quickly that she's e- even able to catch Lanfear in a, in a deadly trap and potentially could have killed her here. And that you know that's fine, like to me, like that that's less confusing for an audience. Jordan has a lot of those things where there's like overlap of characters, specialties, and domain, um, and the show is trying to yeah. do more differentiating. I feel like, which is which is fi- fine. I just I didn't like her like cutesy anime villain personality either either though um it felt over the top but i do i can get behind the setup we're getting of ishamayal unleashing all the other forsaken because he doesn't trust Lanfear and 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 triggering that dynamic for the next season because we learn in this one the forsaken are not imprisoned with the dark one they're each they were each manually imprisoned by, by um by the company at the end and there and the seals are not on the dark ones prison i guess the seals are on the individual forsaken prisons and ishmael collected all the seals and unleashed all the forsaken now except maybe one last seal that's on the dark ones prison i don't know the, the, the that's all different now but it yeah. seems fine it seems seems like a reasonable change and a cool a cool factional dynamic also a love triangle it seems between Ishamael, Lanfear, and Rand. And 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 like we how many times does a character say the line in the season that they were closer than friends, the three of them that lose therein, Ishamael and Lanfear, or they were either the closest of friends or closer than friends. It feels like they're really setting up for yeah, that was there there's an interesting triangle dynamic there. And also the flashbacks we're getting are really making loose there and come across as a little more a little more menacing and of a complicated gray figure than the heroic Luz Theron of the books who just, you know, gets uh, corrupted by the taint and accidentally kills his family after being, after sealing away the dark one. Would anybody else have similar thoughts or am I um, misreading those scenes? I liked the Luz Theron Telamon, um, like sketchy aspects. Cause I mean, he is like in the, Mm -hmm. in the books, he's, like fucking nuts first of all but but i think like in the tv show it makes it seem more yeah like it, he's not a good or a bad character he just like is so powerful and into himself and then makes a decision that sort of just like triggers some crazy shit like mm-hmm. and so i do i do kind of like that aspect it makes it it makes it more fun than just like this guy who's like echoing crazy shit in the back of Rand's head all the time I was gonna, I was gonna, just gonna say I was looking at the uh, the Wheel of Time uh, fandom dot com website and uh, looking at some of the characters who were mentioned and I didn't I don't see this in the transcript but they do allude to it they do allude to Mazarin Time um, in episode one they say uh, uh, the world around us is like um, simmers the hunt for the Horn of Valir, Trollocs, blah, blah, blah. Another false dragon has declared himself in Saldea. They say he's even more powerful yeah, than Loghain. Yeah. You can feel it. Um, and, and so they don't quote his name exactly, but I really thought, I was like convinced they are going to combine Mazarum Team and Loghain into one character. Um, mm. So so that that's like notable to me. Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. All right. It feels like we got through a lot of the a lot of the big changes, the big plot threads that we sort of touched on by going through all these characters. Um, I talk finale. Yeah. Uh, although right before we do, I want I did want to mention it's kind of an extension more than anything with Nynaeve being rushed into her test, like going through the rings. 
and it following a similar pattern to the original ones. And I was ready to be very disappointed. <laughs> they got me with the false uh, return from her from her first test. Uh, and where, and, and then they changed it to basically, so in her final test, she comes back from the test and doesn't want to be an Aes Sedai anymore. She's like, fuck you. I'm not taking, I'm not taking the ring. This was horrific. You gave me a family and you, and you ripped it away and all that, you know, throw, throwing the ring away. Um, goes off and Mary and then meets up with Lan coming back to Tarvalon and then goes and actually starts uh, a family in the next episode with him. And we, and then that's like the reveal of, oh, she didn't like it's not over. We're doing the uh, we're doing the the Star Trek. Um, what's the what's the Picard lives an entire life episode? The inner light, the, the the inner light one, and has like his own family, and then they're all like torn away because it's all it was all like a, a an artificial memory at the end or or an alternate reality. And and the, and the magicians, the show, the magicians does a similar thing. Um, that did hit me at the end. And when when she comes back in after having lived this entire life and having to leave her daughter behind and and uh and everyone getting slaughtered by the trollocs ultimately it's basically similar to the book one but they got me with the surprise fake out um oh are they going to go a different direction is is uh, is is uh naive going to stay uh or uh, accepted never be raised and go off and do her own thing and all, and, and all that and the nope uh playing the long con here all the ice i think that was like that was really good i agree that was really really good and the best part was not just that they so they managed to surprise us folks who have read the series multiple times mm-hmm. and, and like are are ready for those things. Um, but they also did it in a way where I was like, "Oh man, that's some serious shit." Yeah, and it just really hit me. Versus like the books, it's you know, it's all it's up to your imagination and sort of how he describes it, and it just things keep progressing linearly. Yeah, they mm-hmm. really. I think they knocked that out of the park and it was a really awesome decision. I think this season in general, we touch on this seems so much more critical of the Aes Sedai and their methods and not trying to justify it every time. Like you really get the main characters disgust with this system and even the brutality that the Aes Sedai inflict upon the novices and the accepted and, and what, a, what a fucked up ritual this is to put somebody through. Like it is hard to think of anything more traumatizing than than what Nynaeve is, is put through here uh, for for the purpose of, you know, uh, what is effectively just a, a frat hazing uh, for, for joining the secret society <laughs> um, and really sets you up for, I think, what role these three characters are going to have, Egwene, Nynaeve, and, and Elaine in bucking the traditions of the tower and resisting and, and getting, you know, yanked away and doing their own thing um separate from the tower i think that that is all set up pretty well here and we even have other eyes to die voicing their frustration with the way that things are run there and and the uh the the horrors of of the system and i think varin is a mouthpiece for that at various points um and we get that intercut with the 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 torture that the soldam is putting Egwene through uh leading up to her breaking out oh okay yeah so Speaking of that, speaking of the finale, we basically hashed through all this in chat, but for the benefit of listeners, I was very, I was very disappointed with the finale. I feel like it changed and it was, uh, and the, the consolidations it did, I like a lot of the other consolidations throughout the seasons we already talked about. I feel like a lot of the ones they did in the finale completely obviated entire plot threads 
There's no longer any reason for Nynaeve to even be there. And the, the entire escape plan that she is plotting all season, all it accomplishes is it gets an, an Aes Sedai and her warder killed um, in a pretty tragic scene. That was like a hard one to watch them going and some brutal one power kills there. Some of the better ones we've gotten. Um, ultimately, Nynaeve spends the entire finale <laughs> leaning, leaning over Elaine's arrow-pierced body, failing to heal it, and cut away back to El uh, Nynaeve, failing to heal it, hear it. Egwene frees herself, which I guess is kind of cool, except uh, that it obviates that entire plot. And the way in which Egwene frees herself is... Yeah, that I mean, it, it, that that works, and it's a cool, cool twist, and it and it unifies with a, the later version of that twist. Um, we'll see if that still happens. Something that uh, our book readers are aware of, I believe. Um, but we haven't done any big book spoilers this episode, so I might as well keep that trend going and, and not mention those. But yeah, we cut through the Lord Turok duel completely. Uh, I I I was. I was probably harsher on the finale than I needed to be coming right out of it because all the changes were frustrating. And while the city looks really cool, I feel like Falm's set design is really neat. And I couldn't even tell in places where the, the CG depictions of the city ended and the set began. I feel like almost all the, C the CG budget, the special effects budget in the show goes towards making the scenery look great and making the settings and... The scenes look great because the one the one power does not look good. Um, we, we've had also <laughs> chats chats about that, but the city I think looks awesome. We already talked about the the mixed bag of the costumes. I think the the companions of the horn showing up and it just being like I don't know what eight <laughs> people six six or eight people like and I'm I'm waiting for like the armies to step through and for the the battling in the sky and in the clouds and and the you know the the mist rolling over everything and then the, uh, yeah. the legions of the white clack pushing like yeah and this is yeah, just such this is such B, 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 yeah this is bbc uh bar, you know, scene not depicted <laughs> because of budgetary constrictions energy and sub yeah substituting for the 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 hundreds of heroes of the horn by having the eight of them just kick a blurry a slow-mo effect uh, it didn't work for me at all any of like as fights i thought they were really underwhelming i did like the consolidation of perrin going berserk after hopper is killed by um is it bornhold who kill a child uh, or you know commander bornhold and perrin goes into a wolf rage and kills born Bornhold, which then sets him up for the rivalry with his son, who they've, they've already clashed. That's a better consolidation and cooler than him just mistakenly thinking that Perrin killed his father in the book, which is a really lousy motivation for revenge uh, that he has in, in the books, because he just is like, well, that dark friend Perrin was here. He must be responsible for my father's death in battle. No, let's just actually make Perrin responsible for his father's death, because he killed Hopper, and that's that is heartbreaking. And... and uh, even though we've only known this wolf for a few minutes, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like the Hopper's spirit jumping out of him and going up to heaven. That was just a little too cornball for me, but I still teared up when Hopper died. And, you know, I feel like that consolidation works. The Moraine stuff in the finale. Oh my God. Just that, that was the worst of that all the extraneous so Moraine stuff. <laughs> yeah, I will correct you on one thing. Caleb. Okay. Correct me. Correct me. The CGI budget did not go to the background and the setting it no. went to the dragon in the fucking sky <laughs> that took the place of like instead of the dragon battling the last one like in the books just like yeah. through this badass like 
crazy Dragon Ball Z type of shit. Instead, it was just all sent, all spent on that <laughs> that like flame dragon that like curled its way around mm. the tower and announced itself. But that didn't even look <sighs> good, though. <laughs> no, I'd be I'd be fine with the flame dragon if that were on top of everything that happened in the book and that were just like a final flourish at the end. But like. The fight with Ishamael sucked, I thought. I just hated every every bit of that. And the Elaine, or was it Elaine or Egwene, who was like single-handedly able to hold them back, even though she's still so early in... They really undersold Ishamael dramatically, I feel like. We missed the sword fight. We missed his face getting all like increasingly fiery and ashy as the facade falls. I get that they're going for the power of friendship thing, but it was just too much, and too little at the same time i thought but yeah this the dragon does not look good it does not look <laughs> convincing at all. um yeah i have a ton of really like opinionated shit on the last episode so why don't you address caleb's uh comments first before i jump in wait was that wait were you talking to me nick or Caleb? i was talking to you i was saying i have a lot of opinionated shit oh. on what Caleb, on the last episode so you should probably go first um I liked it for what it was. I, f- I definitely feel like it could have been better. It could have been worse. I was somewhere in the middle for me. I was like, yeah, I thought some of it felt very BBC, but then other parts actually felt pretty cool. Like when the a moment I did like was like white cloaks kind of traveling in the like the sand oh, yeah. uh, storm that they were yeah. creating. I thought nice that was touch. like or using the insects to like cover it mm-hmm. up. And they looked like a large army there. I don't know why they that was like the only shot where it looked like a lot of people mm-hmm. storming and actually like a, a genuine fight. A um, lot of horses. I do agree that there's some Yeah. So that that looked good. Good uh crowd simulator there, but they completely dropped the ball with the the summoning of the horn. So kind of agree there. Uh Marange felt so unnecessary and the leaps of logic with that whole like destroy the boats and trying to assess mm. what's going on from like the random beach that they're teleported to almost felt like a I don't know yeah killer arc and I was yeah. laughing when soldiers randomly decide to come down to give land something to do like yeah. they just come down to the beach uh-huh I'm like what is this empowering <laughs> like some power ranger shit oh. like the enemy grunts come out of nowhere so that land yeah. has something to do while she's channeling so they can have like a cool sword fight, like protecting her and showing the their their like unified efforts. I was just like, why are these guys coming down to the beach when there's two random people here and there's an arm like there's a yeah. whole battle going on in the city? You you randomly saw these people on the beach and decided to like fight them. <laughs> that oh. bothered me so much because that that felt like the most absurd shit the entire episode. Just from like I think a lot of your critiques killed came from the position of reading the books, but like that just felt like a a general leap in any kind of logic. And I was just like. That that bothered the shit out of me and just like trying to make her more relevant than she needed to be there. Um, I agree about yeah. the naive thing was really annoying. Like her whole character arc went nowhere. It's like she couldn't even break through her, her power blocks, which was really annoying. Yeah, why like, not? Whole, she like, she had the block all it. season. Yeah. Yeah, she couldn't I, even I missed, cast at all. One of my favorite things about Nynaeve. Yeah, I, I love in the books that like when she's angry, she can cast because yeah. that made her such a badass at points. And they completely stripped that mm. to focus on Egwene. And so I don't know. And then the the power of friendship thing was fine for me. I don't know. It felt very like Harry Potter, like having your friends come and joining up. Um, Perrin using a shield to block fucking channeling was like hokey. I don't know why that works. But being able to just use Wait. like a normal shield. Remember, he's like blocking some of like Shamil's uh, yeah. blast. From- yeah. I was just like, yeah. what? <laughs> why is this working? And, and why is why is standing there? It's not too slow mo. Yeah. 
Why is a Shamael standing there for 10 minutes throwing shitty little fireballs <laughs> at the shield instead of like tearing apart the weave? Why don't we see any of the cool shit? Like he's got all this ancient knowledge. And in the show, they even amp it up by the fact that regular channelers in the show don't even know how to tie off weaves. That's presented as like ancient lost knowledge, something they can all do in the book. But in the show, when they realize that Moraine is, is not actually stilled, she's just got a shield on her that was tied off. They're like, Oh my God, the forsaken have all these like lost incredible arts. We don't know how to tie a weave off. And yet Ishamayo can't even like undo a simple novice shield. Yeah. Egwene is strong, but she's not trained yet. She's not like earned that, that power yet like to be able yeah. to like throw a shield up that Ashamayel can't do anything about for 10 20 minutes as he's just throwing pity little fireball after one after another it'd be much cooler if he is just like going through the weaves and tearing them apart and like and Egwene is experiencing that and seeing it and learning from it in the way that she always does when she encounters new power and technology and then the next time we fight we see her doing it even better than uh that would be way cooler than her just randomly throwing i don't know like you've you've done in our private chats many times complained about the uncreative depictions of the one power and the ways <laughs> yeah. in the show and this was like peak that for me all the all the ways they could have had that fight go down and he's just throwing tiny little piddly firebolt after firebolt level one cantrip over and over again at the shield like yeah, why isn't this working why isn't this working <laughs> yeah then, yeah to that point my and my last point will be for the, this part but like I think a lot about the Harry Potter reference of like they have both in Harry Potter they have like the really generic oh we're gonna like clash streams and it gets really old after watching like a, a green energy blast against a red one yeah so they do that a lot but then I do remember and I think about this a lot because it was like one of the better in a blockbuster way of depicting magic was like uh, the fifth movie with Dumbledore versus um what's his face Voldemort Voldemort they do a lot of creative magic fighting in that yeah, one yeah. when they're at the Ministry of Magic and I loved how it really fits their personality and like that's a way to do magic and they don't do that mm -hmm. at all here it's very generic just very very like shallow CG blast and there he's like breaking glass he's hurling it at him and then like Dumbledore is reflecting that and then they're taking the strap now or like he's taking like water and that they're using that to kind of create like I don't know energy beasts that kind of resemble their like their personalities and everything I thought that was really cool Mm -hmm. And they're throwing it back at each other and it almost feels like yeah. a chess game between two powerful yeah. users. And in this show, they resort to like the really lame ass, like Deathly Hollows, just like blast energy at each other. And whoever, like, it's like a grunting battle to see whoever wins it. Mm -hmm. I feel like we should really be past that by now. It's like, can we stop resorting to like the most generic way to portray magic? I think maybe the most breakout uh, display of the power in the whole season was Lanfear just spontaneously exploding a guy when <laughs> his head just blows up, or I forget how she just like <laughs> offhanded, offhandedly kills the one, which is maybe the goriest moment in the entire show on, on the horseback. Also, why is... Why is Lanfear needing to pursue people on horseback? <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> or did they did they cut oh, wait. Uh, tra did traveling they... out of the show? No, because she's able to teleport. Is that a? Yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe it's just because she doesn't know where they are and has to like follow them in the woods. But it is very funny that like she's like, "We gotta run!" Like one of the all powerful Forsaken who can regenerate is here, and she like gets up and <laughs> immediately has to find a horse <laughs> to chase them down. Um, I didn't I even didn't. put that together, and it, it's not even like a show versus book thing because they do show her teleporting later on, right? That's true. Yeah, or I, is she just using the way gate? I think she. Oh no. She, well, I don't know. Does she just use the way? No. Yeah, they she use, takes they use the, the way gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they use the way, but then they only take they take 
they drop Maureen and Lan off on their like beach vacation yeah, yeah. first, and then <laughs> she like and she uses a gateway to get them over to uh, like closer to Falm or whatever. Oh, does she? I thought um, she just took them out of the ways through one of through the Falmway gate. No, I thought I, I thought she I thought she takes I thought takes Rand through a through uh-huh. an actual gateway, but then takes um, the rest of them and drops them through the the ways huh. gate. The yeah, I may, um, I may just not have been paying close enough attention. I thought the I thought the last episode was like yeah I mean you guys highlighted all the parts I wanted to highlight I'm glad someone someone talked through the fucking crazy ass scene on the on the tower like rampart or whatever where just like what I it felt like the season was was really good and solid and I it it felt like the Game of Thrones letdown or like the very end of it just mm-hmm. like fucking ruins everything because. The, it just like I don't know. Just it was so disappointing. The fight between Ishmael and and Rand. I would have rather just like had them end it on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And just like <laughs> continue on and then yeah. figure out something about next season. Then have like this forsaken dude just yeah, like you said, just lobbing fireballs at Egwene and like can't figure out anything else to do. And like just I, I was it pissed me off. I, I was like really annoyed by that. Um, although I will say the highlight. And Dan, you covered this earlier. Was like watching Egwene just like pound mm-hmm. face with the um, with the like Adam kind of dual yeah, Adam yeah. thing yeah. going on. That that was like a pretty yeah. badass. I don't think the book covers like what would happen if you had like one Adam on one and one on the other. Like I don't, yeah, I don't know if they covered yeah. that. I was curious. I was like, oh, does this ever yeah, come up? Like, yeah, I didn't, didn't remember. If, and and you know what? I I do have to give props. As much as I think it undercuts Nynaeve's entire thing not to have her rescue Egwene, the the way that Egwene frees herself through the fact that her that she has gone through so much suffering and and turned and, and like and and sort of mastered that suffering or 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 has or at least at the very least her pain tolerance is so high that she outpains uh, the Soldam who is you know just unable to take uh, as as they're both giving the full brunt of it to each other. That is a very cool way of doing. Yeah. the turn the turnaround that's a good um yeah like and the fact that Egwene is never broken you know that she's she's got this quality to her that she is able to withstand the suffering that broke even the Aes Sedai that they had that they had captured that we get we get sort of brief through the walls oh, communication with ri- random little aside to that I did find that uh-huh. pretty hilarious the Scottish one or whatever that's like captured like the Scottish blue Aes Sedai that I don't remember the name of because it's mentioned maybe once the entire show um I love that she's such a minor character that for us to remember who she is and her getting captured, they have to do like a little like recap blurb so that they can have that scene at the end so that the audience can put the two and two together. Like when they do the pan, it's like, oh, she's in the cell next to her. And it's surprise. It's that blue eye that I, I still like, oh, did, I genuinely, <laughs> I did not remember it's that. It's so even funny because the they had to, <laughs> she was in, she was in like the sauna, like bathhouse with Moraine in like the first episode of season two. And it's oh, the only scene she gets. And they're like, they're, they're conversing oh. and like doing blue eyes and eye strategies. And that's the only scene oh. she gets. And they like realize they realized too late. They barely gave her enough that the audience wouldn't remember like five episodes later. That's her. So they wanted to be this dramatic moment where it's like, look, it's blue mm-hmm. Aes Sedai from the towers captured. 
but they have to do that by like having that little like it's always funny like whenever they include something in the recap you know it's going to be something that factors into the episode and they had that little bit of dialogue showing like the scottish blue eyes that i and i was like why it like, didn't really tie into anything and it's for the very last scene i just thought it was kind of funny that it's like oh she's such a minor character that you have to like remind us who she is so you can have this like dramatic moment where it's like oh she got captured it's just like uh, yeah. not the strongest storytelling there. Yeah, I would never have remembered if you hadn't just connected those things. <laughs> I just pasted a picture. I pasted a picture in the chat back to the costume thing for a second. <laughs> Was that love the love the map blowing the horn? Did you guys? Yep. You'll have yeah. to like post the link to this because <laughs> oh, this picture just looks yeah. so ridiculous. Like it looks like a party city advertisement in this this picture. They also, yeah. I know that the show has not given us any of the the story backgrounds or like the tales and legends of the world. That's like pretty much all been missing. But I was still surprised they didn't give any like Birgitta. Like the fact that Birgitta shows up uh, as one of the heroes of the horn at the end of book two, like that is foreshadowing there that pays off in a big way. And I think Jordan knew what he was going to do at that point because we know from having read books three and four that Birgitta comes into the plot in a very, very big and present way. And it's bigger if you have had that glimpse of her, uh, like actually people talking about her all the time, singing about her, glee men telling tales about her, and then her showing up at the end of the Great Hunt. And like, oh, that's a fun cameo. We see we see Arthur Hawkwing, and oh, there's Brigida, the legendary golden archer. And then we actually meet Brigida, but she wasn't here at all, was she? Or is she just some background figure with no highlight given? And that'll maybe they'll flash Wait, back I'm later. Are you saying Brigida showed up in one of the episodes? No, I'm saying she didn't. I'm saying in the book, she shows up at the end of the Great Hunt. She's one of the heroes summoned by the Horn. Oh, yeah, Isn't yeah, she, she does. You're right. She, I, she, she that, might be. That, that's I, I, her, maybe. Isn't it with the boat? Maybe. Yeah, but the in the book, it's like, because, because in the book, Matt is like, oh, my God, it's Brigida, the hunter of the Horn. And even at that point in the book, you've heard about Brigida and songs and stories, like, multiple times and you're like oh cool that's a cool and brigida says something like you know uh, uh, like recognizing one of matt's past lives like one of the generals he was before or something oh, yeah um, she does have she does have she a, has, a reference yeah yeah and then brigida in yeah. the world of dreams comes into the plot in a very big way in book three or four or both and like a huge way like she becomes a major character and that was sort of like the setup moment but yeah oh you're right yeah that totally must be her but she is just like a, a blink and you miss it background figure also oh my yeah, god that just, wig that wig just like a little <laughs> nick just posted a close up oh my <laughs> god <laughs> i was really actually i'm super disappointed in that i hadn't even noticed that and now i found the still online of her and yeah she's wearing that wig that looks like it's from like amadeus or something and then also like that outfit i thought she was like i pictured her much more as like sailor moon but like the the yeah. like, earthly version and, like because they talk about how ridiculous her like yellow yellow uh and like blue and red outfit is uh this doesn't look as ridiculous it's to like me, a super, but... she has like a superhero costume in the in the books basically right which just kind yeah. of is i guess i guess this is a, <laughs> some uh ren ren fair pirate fantasy something i, I don't, I don't <laughs> know Every, everything combined <laughs> yeah <laughs> well all right. Uh, any any final thoughts? Is that uh, some? Uh, who knows if they'll make season three? I mean, I'll definitely watch it if they do. There, oh, it, it was already whole... uh, confirmed. It was confirmed. Okay, good. Yeah. Can we okay. have an over under on how many seasons they make? Let's set the over under at like six. You oh, guys think over? They or wrapped or? filming season three. I'm reading. Wow, I'm so behind on news. Like they, there was no news for so long. Yeah, we got reading. that like right after. 
Oh, okay, Nick. In that case, I'm gonna like I'm gonna say over four. Then I think, or rather, I think there will be at least four seasons if they've already filmed season three. Because this season, I think season two was like on the whole a lot better than the first. Um, mostly, mostly an improvement, and I think mostly better than the Great Hunt, the book. Even though I had some qualms with lots of it, I thought almost all the characters were richer developed. I'm into them. Most of the consolidations make sense. I hope Rosamund Pike has more interesting things to do in season three. But yeah, I'm, I want them. I'm glad they filmed it. I'm betting they make at least four if they've already filmed three. Where, where are you at on that? So you think you're taking the under? You think they're going to make under six? Oh, I say I think over over three. I think at least four. I would bet they make five. That's my likely figure. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, I'll say under six if that's where you're setting it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I think. I think I would take. I think I would take five. Yeah, the under, I guess. Um, yeah, the only other thing for me was uh, I'm just glad that, you know how we, we tease constantly about the number of like breast references in um, in the books yeah. that Jordan makes? Yeah. <laughs> and like there's there are graphs out there, there's data on it that you can like open source data on like breast references. I feel like that that's become like the Rosamond Pike bath scenes <laughs> in the in the TV series. <laughs> We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that there were at least I think there were at least two uh Rosamund Pike bath seasons in this in this uh season. It's established as a character really trait that, like that, that characters comment on. Yeah, that Moraine loves her baths. They're uh <laughs> and Ros and Rosamund Pike is very good at dramatically taking them and revealing yes. the depth the depths of her soul in the water that she drags up from the hill. <laughs> and uh I know. And, pour, and pours in yeah but no that, that was my final thought other than uh, i agree season season two was w much better i think head and shoulders better and i'm looking at metacritic right now which is my favorite and they have it rated as 67 uh versus season one's 55 so they would <laughs> we're clearly right so like a gen generally positive critical consensus i think is yeah, that generally positive yeah I will say, so my spouse was not into season one at all, mm -hmm. like at all, was really not a convert. Liked a few episodes, especially in the middle. I think there's some stronger episodes. And definitely, I think the show won a convert to the point where he was more interested in watching it sometimes than I was. So <laughs> I thought that was like a pretty good sign that it's like, hey, you, you took like a non-book fan who was like really not sold on the first season. And yeah, yeah. They ended up liking it a lot better than the first season was kind of into it by the last episode. So like, I, yeah, overall from like an outsider perspective from someone who's like never read the books, likes Game of Thrones, love like, loves like uh, sci-fi and fantasy books and shows. I think they're sold on watching the next season. So they hmm. did something right there with, like, I think it was like better overall, better pacing, better production value, richer mm -hmm. characters. I feel like they, they moved some things along and like got to certain points where they were just kind of lagging in the first season. So was he, lo was overall, he lost was at all? I did. I did hear that a lot of people who hadn't read the books were deeply confused trying to follow the plots in this season. That was something I saw on Twitter a lot, especially surprisingly not. It, it had the reverse. So season one's finale was incredibly, and I think we talked about this on the podcast. Oh, it's an incredibly <laughs> confusing season for yes, anyone who's for not everyone. read the, Even if you read the book, yeah, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to anyone, but it makes <laughs> less sense. At least you have pieces to decipher if you read the book. If you haven't, it's a nonsense uh -huh. ending. And and I think that was like uh -huh. a huge turnoff. It was like, it didn't make any sense. It was like, it felt anticlimactic. The stakes were very low. It really didn't do a lot with like a lot of the setup from the earlier parts of the season. So like coming off of that, 
as much as they fucked up with the season finale, and I agree with all your points, Caleb, especially with like the character arcs and some of the like kind of the shitty um, combat and CG and all that. I do think season two finale was much stronger and at least coherent. It was kind of generic mm. at points, but at least it was a coherent finale, whereas season true, one true. finale was complete mess. Yeah. How about you, Nick? What do you think of that? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, th- I think the season two's finale was head and shoulders better uh, again than, than the season one. Uh, I guess I was talking about the seasons last time, but the, the season one finale was super confusing, even for me, for someone who's read it multiple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I felt like the season two finale was just disappointing. I wasn't confused. It was just uh, stupid. <laughs> well, overall, though, did you like season? Which season did you? Because I, I feel like I actually liked season one. If we're talking about the entire season, I think I liked season one's beginning and the first few episodes mm. of season one better than I thought those were actually kind of exciting to dive into the world. They had a lot of production value you up front and used a lot of their budget for the first few the ones they released in theaters to kind of build hype i thought those were for the most part fairly strong and there's even a few strong middle half of the season episodes whereas season two i thought got off to like the first episode we we mentioned at the beginning of this recording that it was like a terrible episode i thought the the premiere was bad and a few of the first episodes of season two kind of lagged whereas i thought it had a much stronger second half so i don't know kind of mixed bag there i feel like i kind of enjoyed season one's opening better but then i thought it had a weak ending whereas i felt like this one kind of built momentum better yeah i did notice i was just googling i don't think they received any emmy nominations for season two um and i'm trying to remember if they received any did they get any for the first one um let's see here emmy nomination what do you think they would have gotten them for, like uh, production or like sound design? Um, I don't know. <laughs> for not, I, I don't think they would have gotten them for anything. <laughs> Fra- frankly, I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, you, I never feel like I'm in touch with what uh, with what the judges say. Um, it looks like they had a four year well, consideration the... event in season for Ooh. season one. Um, I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah, they didn't. It looks well, like they haven't I received any Emmys. Did. I mean, the, the soundtrack for both was like really fantastic though. Like I love the music in Wheel of Time. And yes. I, was, I actually like listening to the soundtrack on Spotify. It's such a good, like so many True. strong tunes in it. Mm-hmm. I think they're like, very, they stand out each. There's like different tunes for different characters and also for different like mm-hmm. factions of like, and different clans. And I, overall, I, I, I wish they utilized it a little bit more, especially like I missed the opening. Um, yes. But, Why did they take the theme away yeah. until yes. the last yes. episode? <laughs> Rap on that, because like, yeah. what the fuck? What the fuck yeah. was that shit? That's like the it's best a, part of the show was the yes. opening. It's a great opening. It gets me hyped every episode. I love watching those threads weave their way and the the the, cho- the chorus going up up and down and yeah, yeah. I love it. I was very happy we at least got it for one episode though. Apparently, it's Lorne Balfe, a Scottish composer who uh, composes the music. <laughs> He's also the composer of all the Assassin's Creed or a bunch of the Assassin's Creed games. Um, he scored The Crown on net on Netflix. Um, what else has he done? Terminator Genesis. Oh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay, real real mix of things. Ooh, yeah, fantastic. That's a good one. His Wheel of Time score. Yeah, it really sets the vibe, and it sounds like it's a nice mix of influences, and you can feel like uh, yeah, all these the weaving of the threads. But it feels you unique heard, you heard too. It doesn't feel like every yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. So we'll end end on that. Rafe, bring back the the theme at the beginning of every episode next season. We need our intro. I'd like at least you brought it back for the finale. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back with the next book uh, to to talk through. Sorry for the long delay in me editing and posting 
those episodes. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, more of those will be up, but it's something that I've got a large backlog. We're trying to reflect what right. they're doing with the TV show <laughs> yeah. and building suspense. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess I'll, we'll, we'll see y'all again for another show recap and whenever, at least if they're done filming, it can't be more than a year, hopefully this time, because uh, we were without season two information for so long. Uh, so we'll look forward to the next one and catch you all on the other side. Uh, meanwhile, as always, you can follow us on socials at Wattcast Podcast. You can support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast. And you can find some of us on socials, though probably not anymore with the near total implosion of Twitter. And uh, Dan, are you still on Instagram these days? Yeah, I don't really have much of a public social media presence right now. Yeah, I guess if you want to find us, you can get you can reach us at, at the email in general. I know the Nick, I assume, still incognito on the internet in general. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and nobody, and you know, Blue Sky the might as well be one. private. Yeah, you can find me at Party City. You can find me at Party City trying to track down these costumes. Still, you're, you're planning for, or are you planning for next Halloween already? We're recording this on uh, right after Halloween for those listening. <laughs> All right. Well, again, uh, you can support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. That is the number two way we find new listeners. And the number one way is if you tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth means the world to us. That's all for today, folks. And remember, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But this is an ending. Farewell. We could do another time that is real quick since huge delay on Discord. I feel like I was hearing you all like five to seconds after. I felt so bad. Yeah. I feel like every time I was interrupting. Was it, was, it, was it mainly mine or did you both have it for each everyone. other as well? Like, I feel like I was so far behind everyone else in terms of like whenever I speak. It was like, I felt so bad because mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to interject without interrupting someone because I couldn't get I know, the timing. Maybe we should right like come up with a signal, like a, a like a unmute or something. I don't know. Anyway. We're just classic raise, raise hands. Yeah. yeah. Next well, this, time I think this was worse than normal, so we, we were kind of cut off guard. Mm -hmm. Much, much worse. Yep. Um, if we want to time dot is, I've got 57 seconds. Should you do five and 10? Sounds good. Wait, redo, redo. Sorry. Right as I was going <laughs> to. Okay. All right. Wow, Dan's is really good. Wait, wait, 20, 20 and 25. 20 and 25. Okay, mine, an ad popped up blocking the timer. Hang on. I want to see if it happens again. So going by the video, we are about... Eight seconds out of sync uh, for me. No <laughs> that was way. Wild watching. Yeah. Uh, just well, like no, watching. Dan missed, uh, Dan missed the second, second one. So, like, he only clapped once.
So I think he caught the, the 25, one, right? I missed the first. Do we need to do it again? <laughs> okay. Um, wait, you got the second set wait, of you, two claps, or you only got one? I was trying. I was trying to explain to you when you like you set the you like you're like let's go. I was like no no wait, hang on because there was like ads <laughs> popping up and it blocked the timer. So then I had to like oh, close it out of the ads. I missed the first clap, but I, I got the second one. So I have at least one clap though. If that's enough. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a disaster to try to piece together in the first place. Cause yeah. I'm thinking. I don't even know the right way to piece them together. Cause it's like, well, do I correct for the delay? But then we sound weird. Cause of, but uh, I feel like our not knowing was, I'll just put a disclaimer at the beginning that the discord servers were shit today and who knows why. Um, all right. Well, it was good to do. It's been a while since right. we did one of these. Yeah, this was nice, guys. I remembered more of the season than I expected. So thank you for jogging my memory on the details, but all right. I'll see you guys later. I have to hop. Later. See you, Bye. bro.